Welcome to This Much I Learned, supported by YouTube. Learn how to reach the customers you want by understanding what they love to watch on YouTube at yt.be slash thisismyyoutube. Hi everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Marketing Week's This Much I Learned podcast, where we speak to some of the biggest names in marketing about how they got to where they are today and what they learned along the way. I'm Sarah Vizard, Managing Editor at Marketing Week, and today I'm joined by Ross Farquhar, who has just been announced as Marketing Director at mochi ice cream brand Little Moons. Ross's career in marketing has been varied, working both agency and brand side. However, he was made redundant during the COVID-19 pandemic, and so we're going to be speaking to him about his experiences over the past six months and what he's learned both about himself, but also about the unexpected paths careers can take. Hi, Ross, and welcome to this month's episode of Marketing Week's This Much I Learned podcast. You've had a varied career in marketing, working at brands including Cadbury and Diageo, working agency side at Grey and 101. And then last year, you obviously moved to your first CMO role um, at Wagamama's. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about kind of that job and what you were brought in to do there? Sure. So uh, firstly, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to, to be here. Um, yeah, my, my job at Wagamama was, was a bit of a dream job, to be honest. Uh, so I was chief marketing officer there. I absolutely love the business. It's, it's an incredible brand and organization uh, populated by some really talented people from you know, the kitchens and the restaurants uh, all the way up to leadership. And it, and it outperforms the sector year after year. So I was over the moon to be there. I was uh, looking after both a kind of national brand team that were uh, yes doing things like advertising but also menu launches and, and that kind of thing I was looking after a local marketing team who are you know, on the ground helping restaurants own their mile uh, and then I was also responsible for food innovation and uh, yeah the, the stuff that goes into those menu launches a couple of times a year so it was a, a really really fabulous job and and one that I was you know, in all honesty, very sad to be made redundant from just the day before lockdown earlier this this year because it's uh, one that I felt like I was making lots of traction in and, and really enjoying. But you know, the Wagamama, despite being the, uh, I would suggest, you know, lead, one of the big leaders in the hospitality sector, isn't immune to the, the challenges that that whole sector is now facing in in the context of COVID restrictions. And um, I can completely understand why why it happened. Ultimately, yeah, I mean, obviously. I mean, marketing was obviously important there as well. And, and obviously you guys were doing some good work because I saw that you you obviously won the, a bronze at the IPA Effectiveness Award. So, you know, a team that was a, well invested in and was doing really well. So it seems like a, you know, a real shame to get to get rid of your role. And I'm, I'm guessing some others as well went. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's a totally understandable decision, actually. And I, I'm, you're right. I mean, Wagamama is a, a great brand that has been invested in the power of marketing to drive that business for a number of years and I have no doubt that that will continue to be the case even after I'm gone you know um but I think the it kind of speaks to the perils of the CMO job in particular you know I think great CMOs have their sights set on the long term and the horizon and the really good ones assemble a team of really fantastic people who are often specialists who are more focused on the immediate path in front of the business and Ultimately, when a, unfortunately, when a business faces what is frankly an existential threat, as most businesses in hospitality are, are experiencing, the really indispensable people are the ones who are focused on the immediate path because there might not be a long term if you, if you don't keep that going. So 
I, I can completely appreciate why, um, why my role was not the most uh, critical one at that time. And yeah, very sadly, other people had to leave the business at the same time. But but there remains a, a really great team of fantastic marketers there who are um, keeping the brand going and I have no doubt are going to come out of this and, and navigate the business back to, to great fortunes as it once was. And is this, I mean, is this the first time that you've had to go through a sort of redundancy like this in a, in a restructure? It is actually, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been on the other side of the table a number of times, um, but it's the first time that I've gone through redundancy. And if I'm, I'm completely honest with you, uh, I had lots of dark thoughts when it when it first happened. I mean, I, I think the biggest one is, you know, for, for, you know listeners who watch Game of Thrones, I, in my darkest moments, I was probably felt like I was going to be followed by that woman ringing the bell and shouting shame at me for, for the rest of my career because I really naively thought of it like it was a black mark. And, and I find it such an odd thing to think because whenever I've been forced to make someone redundant or a role redundant in the past, I've never thought about it that way. I've, in every single occasion, genuinely felt like that person was going to go on to bigger and better things. This was just a, a moment in time when uh, things weren't quite right for whatever reason, and, and this was going to set them on a different path that would make them happier and, and more fulfilled and, and realise their potential more. But I think when it's it's you uh, it's happening to, it's perhaps understandable that you, you don't always see the completely reasonable and rational side to it. You you start to think the worst. Um, so, yeah, first, first time uh, overall. I guess that sort of feeling of the worst as well comes about a little bit from the situation which you find yourself in the sense that like it wasn't just you being made redundant in the industry I mean you're sort of looking and thinking you know there's lots of people being made redundant lots of people being put on furlough like the economy is in a difficult position did that sort of make you feel a little bit more I guess maybe worried about like where you would go next I guess because there maybe didn't feel like so much opportunity because of Covid? To some extent yes I I think that's true I mean I this whole experience of lockdown and COVID restrictions has been an odd one because I don't think that we, well, unless you're incredibly good at fortune telling, but back when lockdown was first happening, I don't think many of us thought that it would go on this long and have this level of restriction. And and so it's kind of unfolded over time and, and perhaps for the better when you're, you don't want to look too far in advance. Because I think if I'd, if I'd seen a wave of, um, difficulties that we're now experiencing as economy I probably would have been a lot more stressed about it when it when it happened I, I actually found it relatively easy to keep my spirits up and to think of the opportunity that might come from it and I was in a fortunate position because I was you know, put on gardening leave such as often the nature of you know at this this level so I, I had a little bit of time to to really think about what I wanted and I had faith that a, a good thing was going to come from it whether that good thing was going to be a similar role or not I really didn't know but I I did feel like there have to be some upsides to this you know that everything happens for a reason I do fundamentally believe that and you know I'm very very fortunate in the end that I have found another role that I'm incredibly excited about so yeah I had to keep the faith. Well um we'll come back to the new role in a minute but I just wondered I guess for anyone listening who might be who might have gone through something similar who might be going through something similar who might be worried about what's coming on the on the horizon I mean can you talk a little bit to kind of how I guess sort of how you spent your time how you kind of handled you know thinking about the next move that you wanted to take and how you started to to really sort of plan for that I'd probably divide this up into first of all how, how you handle the immediate aftermath of it happening and, and then what you do more positively and proactively to, to find your next role so on, on the first when it comes to dealing with the immediate aftermath the two things I'd say are 
well, the first, I, I'm aware that I am at risk of descending into cliche, but it is so important to be to just be kind to yourself. You know, someone told me very early on, it is a roller coaster of emotions. When you then add into that COVID restrictions that often mean you can't leave your house, you really have to work quite hard to find ways to stay upbeat. And that's going to be different for everyone. But for me, it meant plenty of exercise, dog walks, reading the pile of books that have been gathering dust for literally years in, in my house. Um, but also giving myself permission to do nothing and not feel guilty about that. You know, I think one of the most frustrating and destructive things about your mental health is you can almost blame yourself for sitting and doing nothing. And, and you can believe that your job search should be all consuming. And ultimately, the time spent on other things, particularly those done purely to make yourself feel good, should be a source of guilt. And, and that's a really unhelpful mindset. So you know, I'd encourage everyone to be kind and think of this kind of sudden bounty of time that you have on your hands as an opportunity to recalibrate a bit. You don't necessarily have to rush into having the answer and, and finding the right thing. So yeah, being kind to yourself is a big one. And then secondly, creating structures and habits, I, I think is really important. You know, our brains are wired to really like short-term goals. We get a little dopamine hit every time that we achieve something, however small. And if you are one of those people like me who you know finds themselves writing to-do lists so you can check things off, it, doing that even after this has happened is is really important because it's you know it's a time when your self worth can start to slip a little bit. You can you can be quite hard on yourself, and just giving your brain those little uh, checks, the little hits of dopamine through habits, structures, to do lists, finding ways to fill your time that just give you that that sense of accomplishment is really really important. So. Those were the things I did in the immediate aftermath. When, when it then came to my next role, um, I I sat down and thought, well, look, I'm a marketer. I I know how brands grow. So and I've read all the same Byron Sharp and Lisbon and stuff as, as everyone else. What if I applied that mindset to my search? What if I just tried to create mental availability, to use Byron Sharp's phrase, amongst people who might be in a position to help me and, and give them a reason to think of me when, when an opportunity that might be right for me crosses their desk? And I, I'm so glad I did that because, you know, I sent messages to people who I'd maybe only met a few times. I wouldn't consider them to be people I was close to, but I was really encouraged by how warm and receptive they all were without exception. Um, it really sort of refilled my sort of well of optimism, actually, that, that people really like to help. You just need to find reasons to stay top of mind with them. They've all got busy lives. So the more that you can plant yourself in their brains for when the thing comes along, it's really helpful. So, so that's the first. And then, the other thing I'd say is, you know, take it as an opportunity to explore the things you've always wondered about, but never seriously contemplated because perhaps you were on a different path. You know, but I think we're all on, we're all geared towards these linear career paths. And perhaps that's one of the reasons redundancy can feel uh, so, so difficult because it feels like you're on that path and now the whole thing has stopped. But it could well be an opportunity to go and explore something tangential. And, you know, for me, I looked at, is this the moment for me to get into the fitness industry because it's a place where I'm happy and I, you know, I, I love going to the gym and, and being involved in that? Should I go and become a property developer because I also love that part of the world? Should we go and move abroad? You know, my partner and I have always harbored ambitions to live in a different country at some point. Or ultimately, in, in my case, should I go and work for a smaller high growth business where I could roll my sleeves up again and just reconnect with, with stuff I'm really good at? Um, I'm really glad I did that because it, it does create an opportunity to go off on a tangent if your life has been following a, a straight line for a while. We'll hear more from Ross after this short break. I'm Andrew Scott. I'm Clara Anfo. And, and this, this is, is my, my YouTube. YouTube. 
Well, first of all, I love YouTube. Yeah. I actually love it. I do I nearly prefer it to TV. I find it more of a, an escape yeah. for whatever reason. For me, I think YouTube's actually just great company as well. Absolutely. Everyone's YouTube is different. In the video series, This Is My YouTube, invite you to experience it through the eyes of someone else. To find out what the UK loves to laugh at, cry with, learn from and escape to, visit yt.be slash this is my YouTube. So have you ever been so inspired by somebody on YouTube that you thought I'm going to buy something based on something that you've... Yeah, you and your priest outfit. Hey! hey. <laughs> now, back to our chat with Ross. Obviously, you weren't hugely long into the role at Wagamama, sort of a year, a year or so, I think. So I'm assuming that you weren't really before that thinking about like what comes next. So how did you, you're, you've obviously got a new role. How did you start to think about what might be interesting for you next and start to think that maybe it might be something in a smaller business? Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I certainly hadn't been thinking about what next. And I'm, I'm lucky, I think, that I've had a career that's had quite a lot of twists and turns. I haven't followed quite as much of a linear career path. You know, I, I was in FMCG for a period of time. I went to join a startup agency and, and eventually ended up in a very large agency, then ended up in hospitality. So I'm quite used to being in, in unusual and unfamiliar situations. Um, and I think that does train your brain a little bit in, in terms of how to think about these things. So, you know, what I did was just quite quickly set about developing my elevator pitch for headhunters and for interviews, partly out of, you know, necessity because you're going to start having those conversations, but also because it's a really good exercise in just re-examining what you're good at, how you like to work and what your values are. And, you know, if you're, if you're anything like me, it actually helps rebuild your confidence a bit as well, because by reconnecting with some of those things, it reminds you of your achievements and, and the moments in your career where you really felt like everything was clicking, you were, um, uh, you were in a job that you absolutely loved. Uh, and I think that's really helpful at a time when maybe you can be prone to thinking slightly more bleak thoughts. So, so I really started to think about what my elevator pitch was. Um, and I also really questioned at that time, you know, what is the period of my career when I have been absolutely at my happiest? And the answer I got to was actually when I was part of a small but very fast growing creative agency called 101 uh, at a point about the time when we were about 20 to 30 people in size. Um, uh, and now that experience is almost certainly not replicable in the same way, but I, I think there are clues in the answer I got to, to the question of when I was at my happiest that gave me some really good pointers for where to go next. That, you know, being in a business that is smaller, that's on a mission to achieve something, uh, would probably give me a lot of energy. And, and then if I could find my way into one where I, I thought I could genuinely make a difference, then I'd probably be onto a winner. Um, and, and at the same time, thinking, well, if that's what I want to do, you know, that is a leap from what I'm doing in the last year, 18 months in hospitality. What can I carry forward from my career over the last 15 years that would be applicable there? And you know, I'm very lucky that I had the experience of being trained at Cadbury, which I, I didn't realise how great that was until well after. But I, I understand the food industry. And so trying to find a business that married up my experience where I could make a difference, but, but where I'd be genuinely happy was the task I really set myself. Did you want to talk a little bit about um, about the new job, um, where it is, what you'll be up to? I am joining a really wonderful business called Little Moons uh, as marketing director. Uh, Little Moons is a small but very fast growing business and uh, they make these uh, little balls of joy. They're, they're effectively 
little balls of uh, artisan ice cream wrapped in Japanese mochi rice dough. Uh, so it's bite-sized ice cream, all less than about 80 calories. Um, so I, I love the product, but, you know, the main thing was that I, I met more and more people through the process because with small businesses, they quite rightly like to make sure that you meet you know, almost everyone to make sure you're a good cultural fit. And it just felt like a family with, with every person that I met. It was, it was founded, actually, by a sister and brother, Jewel Vivian and, and Howard Wong. So it's perhaps unsurprising that, that a family feeling really runs through the business like a stick of rock. Um, and yeah, as I say, they've got this incredible product that they fine-tuned in high-end restaurants and is now having a moment of real mainstream success across Europe. So all the building blocks are there. I just really hope that I can accelerate that journey uh, by introducing more people to, to Little Moons and, and building a brand that's genuinely loved. That, that really is an exciting challenge for me and uh, one that I'm really excited to get up in the morning and, and get going with. I'm guessing it'll be a, a smaller team and a bit more kind of hands-on than a, a Wagamama-style CMO role as well. Massively so. And, you know, there are so many things about be, being a CMO in a large organisation like Wagamama that I absolutely adore. I love uh, leading teams of people. I love feeling like you're actually in hospitality. Your, your job is as much about motivating the people on the ground who are serving customers every day because they're the ones who are really going to make or break the customer experience so it's a really different kettle of fish but i'm also really looking forward to you know getting back to my roots a small team of people in a, a relatively small office just trying to work out how do we challenge the you know, the mainstream ice cream category with something that we really really believe in and ideally build a brand that uh, people really love that's that's genuinely exciting to me but you're totally right it's definitely sleeves rolled up and remembering all the things that I learned 10 years ago um I think are going to be coming in really handy sounds good I've never um I've never really heard of this sort of a uh, bite-sized ice cream but I'm intrigued <laughs> I need to try and dig some out for myself <laughs> you, you absolutely must they are absolutely incredible and they're 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 kind of a, an odd um, invention of both North America and Asia. So that, you know, mochi rice dough originates in Japan, typically has red bean paste in, inside of it. But as, as the mythology goes, uh, it's a bit of a Californian invention to put uh, ice cream within it. And it's a much bigger thing over in the States than it is in Europe. But the thing that I love about Little Moons is that Howard and Vivian have been watching mochi be made since they were children, because they actually come from a, a family Asian bakery business and, and so I feel like they were almost destined to do this and, and to bring mochi ice cream to Europe. Uh, and they do it incredibly well because of that, because it's been in their blood for, for many, many years. So it, it feels like a business that has real heart and real authenticity that um, I absolutely love. I mean, thinking back, I don't know how much you sort of want to think back on things or, or would rather look forward. But I mean, do you feel like this period has sort of taught you anything about yourself that you didn't already know? Have you sort of discovered aspects that you... You, you know found yourself more resilient than maybe you thought you could be I think there were things that I expected about it that did come true and other things that, that didn't so the things that did come through is I was kind of already self-aware enough to know that I am someone who likes structure and routine and habit and I therefore knew that if I went into a redundancy situation and just didn't do any of that just went from being mile a minute back-to-back meetings to having completely empty days I wouldn't survive very well. Like I wouldn't, you know, get much out of that, and it, it wouldn't do well for me. So, so by knowing myself before this happened to me, I was pretty readily easy, easily able to sort of put 
the right structures in place for me to, to get through it. The thing that surprised me, if I'm honest, is, you know, I'm quite an emotional person and I uh, I worried that I would find the um, the bleaker thoughts, the things, the ones that I, to be the ones that I would attach myself to. You know, the ones where I feel like I take it personally, the ones where I would think that I might not find something better in the end, despite what everyone says. Um, those thoughts that tend to come to you in the middle of the night when everything seems so much worse than it actually is in the morning. I was worried that those might be the ones that I would attach myself to. And actually, I've, I've surprised myself with my own resilience in, in this. And one of the things that I think has helped me with that is, you know, talking to a lot of people in a similar situation, um, both people who perhaps have made redundant in the past, who've been incredible support, and you wouldn't believe the number of people who come out of the woodwork, you know, people who you hugely admire, who maybe whose career you envy, who you start talking to and realise, oh, God, they made, got made redundant. Uh, you know, before you had no idea. You, you, Sarah, you had a podcast with Mark Evans at their line group before, and I was so surprised to hear that you'd been made redundant four times for someone who, you know, I think is absolute industry heavyweight and have so much respect for. And I find that really heartening that that you know everyone's got a story like this, and there's certainly no shame in it. So that's that's the first thing. And then the second thing is I spent a lot of my time talking to you know people perhaps on my team from Wagamama who were going through a similar thing and working out how I could help them, who could I put them in touch with, how could I help them prepare their own elevator pitch. And, and just that kind of industry of helping people get through this was something that really helped me build my own resilience and take my own advice, frankly, because I've spent my days on the phone to, to people trying to help them and reassuring them that this was all going to be okay and it was going to lead to something better. I, I couldn't well you know, go to bed at night and think that wasn't going to happen for me as well. So a lot of positive self-talk actually came from talking to other people and, and giving them that positivity. It can be hard as well to, like you say, to listen to your own advice sometimes. Um, I can imagine that was quite difficult. And if, I mean, just to finish off, if there was sort of one thing you could take away from this, what, what, what would that be? The one thing I would want to take away from this is that it is a single moment in time that feels all-consuming and huge at the moment when it happens but you look back on it and it feels a lot smaller. I can already say this, you know, six months on from, from when it happened to me, that ultimately I will look back and go, that was quite a pivotal moment in my career, absolutely. And you know, there's a lot of sadness about it. And I certainly felt like I was leaving something behind. But however much this is a cliche, you do go on to do something better and it gives you an opportunity to really think about what's going to make you happy. And I'm I am certain that when I look back on a long arc of a career over whatever 40 50 years just like i said to people about you know many things but when negative things have happened in their career and i've said honestly you will look back on this think it was such a small thing in the grand scheme i genuinely think this is the case with redundancy as well it feels huge at the time but it is an opportunity and it's not the be all and end all you'll be fine thanks ross for joining the podcast i'm sure you'll all agree some valuable learnings and tips in there that hopefully help anyone out there going through the same experiences as Ross. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Marketing Week's This Much I Learned podcast. You can check out previous episodes on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud or marketingweek.com, as well as our other podcast series. That just leaves me to thank Ross again for joining us and to you for listening. I hope you'll join us again soon. You've been listening to This Much I Learned, supported by YouTube. Learn how to reach the customers you want, by understanding what they love to watch on YouTube at yt.be slash thisismyyoutube.